0: Hey guys, we are so excited for today's interview with Dr. Vincent Pedre. Dr. Vincent Pedre is a fascinating gut health expert. He is a best-selling author and he's helped thousands and thousands of people restore their gut health. I know you're gonna get a lot out of it, so tune in and take some notes because it's going to be awesome. Okay, Dr. Vincent Pedre, we are so excited to have you on our show today. How are you doing for this evening? I'm doing great,
1: guys. Nice to see you.
2: <laughs> nice to see you.
0: One of the things we love talking to you about is actually leaky gut. But I think, curious from our documentary, when we interviewed you to begin with, I thought your story was actually quite powerful and, and it's something that we actually want to dive into a little bit today. Um, so, we'd love to open up as to how you got into this gut health niche. You're now like a gut health guru. you um, have got a best-selling book and everything, but how did it all begin with you?
1: Mm, yeah. Uh, I think it basically just landed on my lap, uh, in in many ways, just accidentally by the the best uh, um, you know the best intentions of pediatricians when I was a child, uh, doing what they thought was the right thing, which was to give me antibiotics for sinus infections. And another antibiotic for a throat infection, and a, and a, and a penicillin shot for strep. And but it was over and over, where I was getting like three or four courses of antibiotics a year. And what happened? I I can say looking back, because in at the moment, all I knew is the doctors were telling my parents, "You have a weak immune system," um, or "Your son has a weak immune system," and no one ever mentioned gut or gut health. But looking back, I can see what happened was that my microbiome was wiped out. One of the, the antibiotics that was frequently used, Cipro, uh, we know it takes about 12 months for your gut microbiome to recover from one five-day course of Cipro. Now, imagine if I was on a five-day course of Cipro, and then six months later, I was on a different course of antibiotics, and then a few months later, I was on antibiotics again. So my gut never had a chance to recover. And when you lose your good gut bacteria, then you lose that control that happens uh, that we, we live symbiotically with these beneficial bacteria that help control the leakiness of the gut barrier. So as you become more dysbiotic or imbalance between good and bad bugs in your gut, what happens is your gut barrier is going to become more permeable. So think of it like a coffee filter. You know, the coffee filter is letting through only the, the water that has been soaked with the ground coffee beans and that gets through and that's what you drink. Now, what if that coffee filter gets soggy? It's got some holes in it. Then you're going to start getting some of those coffee grinds inside. That's kind of similar to what happens with leaky gut is when you have a gut that is leaky, there are these connections between the cells that are like Velcro. And those connections loosen up. So when they loosen up, you start to get spaces between the cells that were not there before. And even though these spaces are super small, um, the surface area is huge. I mean, the small intestine has a surface area of, of the size of it like a tennis court. So when the spaces between the cells get bigger, then you're going to get things that pass through that should not be passing through, like those coffee grinds getting through a filter that is soggy and it's got some holes in it, So what happens is you get exposed to bacterial toxins, uh, partially digested proteins from food. And what I can say looking back at what happened to me as a child is that I developed an immune reaction to the two top food groups that were in my diet, which were wheat and dairy. And Pretty much every day as a child, I was either eating one of those or both of those together in one meal. So it could be like cereal with milk in the morning. Uh, My mom used to take me to a fast food restaurant after school. I was a really fast metabolism and, and ate a lot. And we would pick up a vanilla milkshake on the way back from school. I mean, and that was like, I couldn't wait for that vanilla milkshake. And yet, looking back like that's part of what was destroying my gut lining and my immune system, making me more susceptible to getting infection after infection after infection. So a big part of my motivation as a child and and part of what uh, motivated me to become a doctor was to figure out, you know, what is it that's making me sick, so get sick so often that I can't be around the person that's sick. I would pick up Anything that was in the room, uh, so it was kind of like a lifelong, uh, you know, quest to figure out what is it. You know, is this the way my body is? Am I just going to have to accept that this is my matrix, the way I was I was born, and it's genetic, and I'm just going to have to deal with it for the rest of my life, uh, walking around like a hypochondriac. The minute I had a little tinkle in my throat. Uh, I was nervous that I was going to get sick and already, like, starting to take vitamin C and remedies. And um, so that's that's what finally led me to, you know, discovering the importance of the gut in – Uh, Not just as structurally as we're talking about leaky gut, which is part of the the way the gut works as this semi-permeable membrane, uh, but also the gut is the gut microbiome and this symbiotic relationship that we have that has evolved over centuries with bacteria that get handed down from parents to child or child from playing outside in the dirt. You know, you get exposed to all sorts of of different bacteria. And all of these exposures create diversity in the gut microbiome. And that diversity allows you to have a very robust and uh, uh, almost like um, it helps to quell your immune attack and it keeps the gut lining um, appropriately healthy. Uh, So that was my my story and and in my lifelong quest to figure out what had happened. At some point in my late 20s, I just thought, well, this is just how my body is. And I just kind of thought, I'm just going to have to learn how to live with irritable bowel syndrome, uh, not knowing if I go out and eat, if it's going to sit well or not sit well, if I'm going to have to be running to the bathroom. I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this can relate to that. And it wasn't until I, I discovered functional medicine and started learning about the microbiome that I, I learned that what I thought was my normal was not normal and that, what I thought was a sentence that I was just going to have to live this way for the rest of my life, was actually reversible by undoing the damage that had been done to me as a child. You know, it, not intentionally, they were doing what they knew best to do. Uh, but I had to take a couple of years to kind of unravel that mystery. And undo that damage. Now I look at that now, and I think that's the greatest gift I received. And that having the IBS is what brought my attention to a very important organ system in the body, and they even calling the gut microbiome as another organ. And it's brought me to my life work. So I, I look back at that, and and I think it was it was a gift to have that because as a result of my desire to heal myself. I've been able to help thousands of people worldwide.
2: I, I find the curious thing is that for you, obviously, you already, you know, had a compromised immune system as a child. You had antibiotics, made it worse, gave you a leaky gut. You developed all these food sensitivities. But I, for a lot of people, I think uh, they might have the leaky gut, but it might not show up in the same way. Could you maybe speak to that about, you know? What are some symptoms of leaky gut that people may not realize is actually a compromised gut?
1: Absolutely. So the first thing that you have to realize is that the the gut lining, so it's a tube and that tube is one cell layer thick. And on the other side of that cell layer, there is a um, there's connective tissue and there's an area called the lamina propria. It's very thin. And in that area, we have the immune system. So we have lymph nodes. uh, We've got a whole bunch of immune cells that are kind of like cops, like border patrols. They're looking at what's coming through. And I kind of sometimes think of the lamina propria as kind of like the neutral zone. Like it's kind of like, you know, you've got the white blood cell cops hanging out, moving around and being like, oh, okay, you're okay. Uh, urine, and then, oh, you're not self, you're a piece of un- partially digested gluten, I don't recognize you, I'm going to take you and present you to a B cell and a T cell so that we can start forming an immune attack. So what happens when you have leaky gut and you've got these antigenic, these things that activate your immune system coming through, and you could have leaky gut without having gut symptoms... Well, you have to realize 70% of the immune system is all along the gut lining. But once the immune system is activated there, it's going to send system-wide signals. So it's communicating with the rest of your body through th- these messengers called cytokines that tell your body there's an attack, you're inflamed, and you could— yeah, I mean, I've seen all sorts of things uh, um, through the work of, of Dr. Alessio uh, Fasano, we've learned how there's a connection between gluten and autoimmune disease and even autoimmune thyroid, um, that the body um, will treat the gluten molecule in these cases as if it's a foreign bacteria, like it's an invader that it needs to attack. Uh, But as a result, then you get autoimmune antibodies. And I think um, a lot of times when you get leaky gut, you can get increased permeability of other special circulation areas in the body, I think that the reason the, ty- the, the connection with the thyroid is you get leaky thyroid. I've heard of leaky heart syndrome, and, and of course, leaky brain, uh, the blood-brain barrier becomes leaky. So a person with leaky gut and inflamed gut, not eating the right things, might be suffering from a mental health disorder like depression or anxiety that's actually rooted in a gut um, that is leaky and a gut microbiome that is out of order because usually they go hand in hand if your gut is leaky it's leaky for a reason and it's leaky probably because your gut microbiome has been altered uh, it could be from over-the-counter medications like ibuprofen it could be um I, i'm actually um, doing some research and found that high doses of acetaminophen, which is used for fever, right, and is a lot of cold medicines, can actually increase the permeability or cause leaky gut in mice. So it's a mouse study, but, you know, that we, a lot of times we use these studies to understand what could happen in humans. And then, of course, antibiotics, as one of the biggest causes, and then all those anti-acid medications that alter the pH in the stomach, so they make your stomach less acidic, but that acidity is there for a reason. It's there to protect you from bacteria and yeast that come in through the food that you eat. You know, we evolved in a certain way, and the scary thing is, is that the proton pump inhibitors are the second most prescribed medication worldwide, So there's, there's a lot of, there's the gut brain connection. Um, We see connections with Parkinson's disease, Uh, children with autism, uh, probably 90% of them have some sort of gut issue and leaky gut syndrome. Uh, We also see uh, allergic diseases. So like asthma, allergies, skin rashes. And in, in order to understand that it's like in, in Chinese medicine, the skin is just a reflection of what's going on on the inside. Right. Uh, So if something's going on in your gut, it might present itself on the skin surface as eczema, psoriasis. These are just signs that something is causing a, a huge amount of inflammation internally and it just expresses itself in different ways in different people. Like I had a patient who came in and had no gut complaints whatsoever. Uh, She had moved to the US from India like a year before and right before she came to see me she had developed hives but she also had joint pains and fatigue. You know, things that you don't normally associate with gut health issues. And it turned out that she was sensitive to wheat and dairy as well, lactose intolerant. So taking those two foods out, the hives disappeared within two months, but the joint pains were still there. And when we really dug deep and I told her, look, even though you don't have any gut symptoms, let's look under the hood, kind of like how functional medicine does. Let's let's see what could be lurking there that maybe you're just not aware of. And we found she was carrying one of the most common parasites worldwide. And she also had yeast overgrowth with at least two different types of yeast. So it's not just candida, there's other yeast. And when we treated her parasite and her yeast overgrowth, her joint pains and her fatigue disappeared. So you can see that, that you, you could be presenting with symptoms that are, as a result, of a gut related issue that has caused leaky gut and thus activates your immune system and your immune system can't separate itself and just say, okay, we're just here. We're just inflamed in the gut. No, it's going to tell your entire body we're on alert. Like everybody get on alert.
2: Wow. It's interesting that story. Um, sore joints, uh, fatigue. That was exactly me before I got on top of my gut issues. So I'm really not surprised that you guys so you can, searched into so you the can gut. relate
1: to that. And, and I, didn't
2: mention,
1: I didn't mention also uh, a lot of people uh, suffering from mental fog, you know, just not having clear headedness, not having the the mental capacity to make it through a full work day without um, feeling really tired. And that was me uh, before I started healing my gut. Uh, I would get to 3 p.m. in the afternoon and I just wanted to take a nap. Um, and I just didn't have the the mental power to, you know, I, I made it through my day, through the end of a day of patient care, but it was an effort to get there. It was a major effort.
0: I'm super fascinated with the whole yeast part of this conversation because obviously candida is super prevalent. And I remember in our previous interview with you um, for our series. You had, a, I, th- I thought, an amazing, fascinating connection between yeast, sugar, and our brains. I was just wondering if you'd just yeah. explain that a little bit.
1: When you have yeast in your system, yeast produces uh, toxins. We call them mycotoxins. And these mycotoxins are um, easily past the blood-brain barrier, can get into the brain, and they, make, they basically stupefy you. You know, so they can make you feel tired. They can make it hard for you to be able to even process information. So you might have a conversation, but then you won't remember it later on. Um, It can lead to headaches. I mean, that is having yeast in the gut or if you're mold sensitive and getting exposed to environmental mold like black mold, uh, that can result in some of the sickest patients that, that I've ever seen. Uh, and especially if they both have environmental exposure and they have yeast overgrowth internally because maybe they're eating too much sugar or maybe they were on acid-blocking medication. Uh, It can really wreak havoc on your health, and it can take months or even a year or two years to like fully go through recovery from that.
2: So fascinating. Um, and another thing I wanted to ask you about before we di- jumped on this call, we did a little bit of keyword research and we noticed that one of the biggest searches around leaky gut was, does it cause weight gain? Could you speak to that? And why is that happening? Why could that be a symptom?
1: Absolutely. So you have to see weight gain as um, in different ways. So weight gain in, in some ways, it's an inflammatory condition of the body. And because leaky gut activates the immune system and triggers the release of those cytokines, and there are cytokine receptors in, in all cells in the body, including fat cells. Uh, so you get an, an inflammatory response, and in the body's reaction to inflammation, we're under attack, is hey, let's store calories as fat because we don't know what's coming. The other side of it is uh, a lot of people suffering from, we got to p- bring in the gut microbiome into the conversation because we know that, uh, and, and there's this concept of the metabolomes, the metabolic byproducts of the gut microbiome serve a purpose in our bodies. So they produce these things called short-chain fatty acids. And one of them, which is one of the most important ones, is butyrate and one of the effects that butyrate, butyrate is like this amazing uh, cool molecule, like it's the, the all the things it does, like you need butyrate to be healthy. Uh, butyrate helps improve insulin sensitivity, and insulin is your blood sugar regulating hormone. So if you're more sensitive to insulin, your body knows how to balance blood sugar and keep it from getting too high, when your body becomes insulin resistant, which is a very common worldwide problem that precedes diabetes, your body can't hear that insulin signal, so the insulin from the pancreas, the, those cells, say, you know what? We're putting out this much insulin, and it sounds like no one's hearing us, so let's turn up the volume. And we're gonna put out even more insulin, because maybe if we put out more, someone's gonna say, yeah, we hear you now, but then all of that excess insulin one of the 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 effects that insulin has is to tell your body to pack on calories as fat in your belly. That is when it, when you have excessive insulin, when you're insulin sensitive, when your blood sugar levels are appropriate, you're not going to be doing that that signaling, you're not going to be packing up packing fat in the belly. So those are the the really important connections with gut health, and and what I've seen with people who have done my um, Happy Gut Diet in my book, uh, which is a 28 day cleanse, is that a lot of times um, I've had people report back to me that they lost those those 10 pounds that would never come off, like just finally just came off without effort, and sometimes it happens. Immediately within the first month, um, I have found that sometimes people are so inflamed that they have to do several cycles and they'll find like in the middle of month two, suddenly their body is like, it can give a big sigh of relief, like, ah, finally, like you're unloading all of the stuff that you were exposing me to, the processed foods, the sugar, the, the toxins and non-organic produce. And the body can finally relax and say, you know what? I don't have to protect myself anymore. I can start burning off the the excess fat and and just drop the weight without thinking about it.
2: Perfect. So cool. Uh, So I would love on the topic of all of this to dive in like really practical ways of how do you repair a leaky gut? And I think it's Potentially, obviously, extra pertinent at the moment as people are looking for ways to restore their immune system, given the crisis we're all in. But I would would love your input also on the concept of um, the hygiene hypothesis. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with that exact term, but, uh, you know, at the moment... Obviously people are really trying to be clean, right? We're washing yeah. our hands, we're doing two rounds of happy birthday, we're sterilizing we're all the, our services. We're,
1: we're we're in physical isolation yeah. also. You exactly. know, not you guys, but most people or you know, isolated from the rest of the world.
2: Yeah, totally. And
1: you know, this is a really interesting fact. Our immune system is actually a very social <laughs> part of our body. So, it does not do well with isolation. The way our immune system becomes robust and resilient is by getting exposed to a bunch of different antigens. From, uh, and that's why when you have kids, like the, the whole hygiene hypothesis is that, like we've seen that the, the more hygiene practices are increased in countries, you see the rise of more immune diseases like autoimmune disease, like r- r- rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune thyroiditis. And what we know is, if you get your kids outside and you get them to play in the grass and get dirty and fall and and or even if that you have pets like a dog that licks their face, like what it does is it creates this incredible diversity of microorganisms a child is exposed to, and it creates a more robust gut microbiome. And that so that is that is super important. So it's kind of funny because uh, I mean the the one thing that I teach is that you you don't want to use antibacterial soaps. So again, going back to the whole concept of antibiotics, antibacterial, it's going to get into your body, it's going to affect your gut microbiome. And you don't want to do that because your gut microbiome is your immune ally. You want it to be robust. You want it to be diverse. You don't want to take things that are going to decimate your gut microbiome. And the truth of the matter is that Regular soap and hot water, like warm water, is good enough for getting rid of most germs. Just washing your hands. That is just a really key thing. Wash your hands. When you're out and touching things, don't touch your eyes, nose, or mouth. You know, just common sense stuff. Uh, but I think we can take it overboard and people start using antiseptics. And of course, you have to do that in facilities, in restaurants, maybe um, you want to make sure that surfaces are wiped clean. Uh, but at home, you don't have to be that extreme. And having some exposure to bugs, it's like this whole concept of hormesis you know, there there are different types of stressors that we can be exposed to and hormetic stressors actually make our body stronger and more resilient.
2: Love it. Love it. Love it. So maybe if anyone's a, has a nice backyard, they could do some gardening, get into the dirt a bit, let your pets run around. I don't know.
1: Get actually, the dirt on. Get the dirt under your nails, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm hoping that it's an organic garden and it's, mm-hmm. like, beautiful soil mm-hmm. with earthworms uh, in there. Um, yeah, and to answer the other part of your question, like, how do you heal leaky gut? Mm-hmm. Well, there's many ways to do it. There's many ways. And that was what I put together in in my book, Happy Gut, a 28-day program that I called the Gut Care Program. And the CARE stands for Cleanse, Activate, Restore, and Enhance. And basically, it's a four-step program for healing the gut, rebalancing the gut microbiome, and repairing the gut lining. But on a very simple way, um, it's it's basically uh, there's certain nutrients that you can take that have been shown scientifically to help improve the permeability of the gut barrier. And one of those is an amino acid that um, maybe people have heard of, it's called L-glutamine. It's one of the most abundant amino acids in the body, and you can take this in a supplement form. And what it does is it allows the small intestine to repair itself, but it also helps the colon because they've done studies with patients with ulcerative colitis, which is an inflammatory bowel disease. And they found that if you give them high doses of L-glutamine powder throughout the day, that you can reverse a flare. Um, And they've shown this in, in several studies. But then if you add other complementary nutrients to that. And there's uh, a lot of like leaky gut formulas out there, one of which I helped uh, create. Uh, there are other things that you can add to this formula that are really potent and helpful for the gut, like zinc is really important. Uh, also, quercetin, which is a bioflavonoid. So people people might not know what quercetin is, but everybody has eaten foods that quercetin is in. like Apples, onions, and capers. Those are capers. Actually, the number one uh, food high in quercetin, and quercetin acts like a prebiotic. It's a bioflavonoid, so it's kind of it's sort of like a plant pigment, and it's antioxidant. And what it does is it enhances the the favorable part of the gut microbiome, and by doing that, then helps improve that interaction between the good gut bacteria that are right close to the gut lining through that uh, border speaking to and interacting with the immune system on the other side and they kind of keep each other in balance.
0: That's awesome. Um, I'm just super curious, like with your experience of antibiotics, because obviously a lot of us experience some form of gut dysbiosis and antibi- and obviously antibiotics have their role what is probably the single most um, effective treatment that you've seen, whether it be, I'll, I'll let you answer that, um, when someone has had their, maybe their microbiome decimated, or perhaps they I've got environmental toxins, what's been the single most effective way um, that you've seen of repopulating the healthy, um, the, the healthy microbes in their gut? Yeah, I
1: would say you need to use a, um, a three-pronged approach So, it would be probiotic, prebiotic nutrients, and then food. You know, food is always, for me, food is medicine. But you can find supplements like a symbiotic supplement that has probiotics that have been proven to improve the condition and the health of the internal environment in the gut. Um, one key one that is a probiotic that is not a bacteria, but is a yeast that I use often in helping patients recover from being on antibiotics, or sometimes I actually put them on it because it's a favorable yeast and you can actually take it while you're on an antibiotic course, especially if it's going to be like a prolonged course. Cause sometimes, you know, the, the one thing I want people to know is that I'm, even though I've, I've spoken about all the harms that antibiotics can cause, as a as a doctor as a trained doctor i've seen how antibiotics can save lives so i'm not anti-antibiotic what i am is anti over prescribing antibiotics and i'm also anti giving antibiotics and then not giving the patient a recovery plan for how to heal the gut after they've been on antibiotics so this favorable yeast is called saccharomyces boulardii and it's really key um, um, probiotic that i find Very important and helpful for healing the gut while on antibiotics or after an antibiotic course. And then, of course, a comprehensive probiotic supplement with pre and probiotics. But then food is medicine. Right. So making sure that the diet is right and it can be through prebiotic rich foods, which can be from fiber rich foods like dandelion greens, Jerusalem, artichoke, chicory root, but also incorporating. Um, I, I've used actually I had to go on anti antiparasitics, which are also, you know, they're in the realm of antibiotics, antimicrobials. Uh, recently, when I came back from Africa and found that I had two parasites after my trip, And um, one thing, I don't know why, I just intuitively felt that along with everything else that I was going to do, that my body was asking for fermented food. So, And normally, I, I preach a lot about not having dairy, but for a short period, I did take a small shot of a fermented dairy drink, like a kefir for a period. And because kefir is so fermented, um, if you have lactose issues, you have lactose intolerance, it doesn't cause any problems with that. And I I, I wanted to test it out. There's many different ways to take kefir. You could get a coconut water kefir if you want to stay dairy-free, and that's what I usually recommend during my 28-day cleanse. Uh, But intuitively, I just felt that it was the right thing, and incorporating also other fermented foods like sauerkraut, For example, uh, fermented vegetables, really key components of rebalancing the gut microbiome. Um, And I think just having kind of a a multi-pronged approach is usually the best approach and the one that um, is able to repopulate the gut the the quickest you know because i the reason i was in africa is i went with a group that was studying the the hadsa hunter-gatherers of tanzania which is yeah they're one of the last hunter-gatherer groups on the planet you know tribes that are still living off of the land they're foraging for root vegetables they're foraging we went in the forest we foraged for root vegetables dug it up and cut it and ate it right there it was kind of like a it's kind of like a cross between a jicama and a potato. You know, so very kind of very watery on the inside, so you didn't really have to cook it. You could just eat it raw, and it was very kind of very fibery. So the fiber is really good for the diversity of the gut microbiome. And then uh, they forage for honey, also. But when the, when you think of honey, like it's not like nicely packaged honey, they're they're having honey that just came out of the inside of a tree bark from the and they're eating everything. The honeycomb everything, which is so rich in nutrients. And the reason I'm fascinated with them is that they've done studies on their stool. They've done uh, PCR studies where you can see all the different bacteria, species, phyla that are in there. And what they found is that their gut microbiome is more diverse than uh, the Western gut microbiome. Uh, with access to so many different foods. I mean, if you think about their repertoire of foods, is pretty narrow. They eat tubers, those root vegetables, honey, berries that grow on the trees where they live, and then small to medium-sized animals, sometimes a bigger game animal. That's their diet. And they have an incredibly diverse gut microbiome. You know, quite fascinating. And of course, that brings in, you know, they live out in the wild. They're not afraid of dirt. Like, you know, they're, 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 there's a lot of external exposures happening. They have dogs that hang out with them. So there's definitely exposure to um, pets, which are, I call them microbiome enhancers, because uh, when they lick you, they're sharing their microbiome with you. And that just makes your microbiome even more robust.
2: I've heard uh that having five pets is ideal for the microbiome. For any animal lovers out there. And also I've heard Probably of-
1: probably maybe ideal for the microbiome but not ideal for the parents who have to take care of the
2: pets. <laughs> Indeed. I've heard um I think this story might make some people squirm but I've heard of um uh like a, a doctor brought his newborn baby home uh and, but the baby had to be born by C-section cuz of complications and they brought the baby home and had their like their Labrador or whatever lick the baby up and down to like help (laughs) re-inoculate the baby what do you feel about that
1: if 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 OBGYNs are open to it uh the ones that are more holistic minded if a baby is born by c-section they'll take a sponge and put it intravaginally And then wash the baby's face like just smear the sponge over the baby's face and just think about it that that very first moment when the baby goes through the vaginal canal that is the first exposure to a a microbiome that is going to be colonizing their body and it's a very important exposure because when you see c-section babies they don't get they get colonized first with microbiome from the skin and that's not as good as if you are born vaginally now add c section and being raised on formula versus breastfed and that's also another hit to the microbiome because there's very important enhancement that happens through the breast milk breast milk because of the types of Sugars that are in the breast breast milk. They're called HMOs or human um, milk oligosaccharides. And what they do is they feed that very important first bacteria that is predominant in the large intestine of a baby, which is Bifidobacterium infantis. And if they're not raised on, on breast milk, then it's harder with formula, although now they are coming out with formulas that have those human milk oligosaccharides. Uh, so, but, but we see the importance of that early development of the microbiome, which, uh, evolves for the first couple of years of life. And then by the time the child is around three to five, it starts to look more and more like the adult microbiome.
0: Fascinating. That, and thank you so much for sharing all this. I'm just thinking in our last few moments together, what does the future of all this look like in the future my sci-fi brain goes, um, I get sick. I take antibiotics, and then I take a like a pill or something, and that restores my previous microbiome. Or am I going mm. to be buying pills from the microbiome of the people from Africa? What does the future of all this look <laughs> like?
1: That's a really great question. Uh, you know, there there's possibly looking at creating uh, probiotics that are regional because. There, there are certain different trends in the microbiome, depending on if you live in Africa versus Asia versus India versus Europe and the U.S., the, the, the type of bacteria that live in that microbiome are slightly different. So one thing we might look at is you go on a course of antibiotic and then you take a mega dose probiotic for seven days in a row after that to rebalance your gut microbiome with maybe just a directed nutrition plan on how to how to heal the gut uh, for the next couple of weeks. Um, I think the doctor of the future, when they prescribe probiotics, will be prescribing the antidote to the problem that they also caused by giving the patient the antibiotics. You know, we we're only thinking one-sided, but because I see in my practice the patients we suffering the consequences from having been put on multiple, multiple courses of antibiotics, just like I was. So I'm, I'm very sensitive to what antibiotics can do to the body, especially um, here in, in the US, we get a lot of patients with Lyme disease, and they might be put on antibiotics for months. And you have to think about the gut and the gut microbiome, because if not, if you miss that, then you're going to cause leaky gut and that leads to a whole host of other problems. As I talked about, you know, leaky gut is like this silent menace in the background that will create havoc in your health without you knowing that it, that's the true problem.
2: Quick question. Uh, I'm sure it's crossed people's minds as we've talked about it. And you've talked a little bit about, you know, choosing probiotics and you mentioned Saccharomyces, boulardii for. uh post antibiotics recovery. but how yeah. would someone how would you guide someone how to pick a probiotic because I think a lot of people don't realize that strains make a difference and all of that type of discussion.
1: I say look for companies that um, make probiotics that are shelf stable that are guaranteed to be their potency through the expiration date. That's very important. So you want to make sure you're you're getting probiotics from a reputable, company. Um, sometimes companies will actually have a independent third party test their probiotic capsules to make sure that it has all the strains that they believe are in there. Uh, and I think that's something that you could ask or, or look at um, consumer reporting agencies and stuff. But important thing to look for is um, at least anywhere between uh, eight to ten different strains of complementary bacteria between Lactobacillus and Bifidobacterium. Uh, some of them might have spore-based organisms like, example, Bacillus subtilis. Uh, those can be really helpful. Sometimes I treat patients with uh, traditional probiotics and then add a spore-based probiotic as well. And the other thing that they should look at is companies that are showing the exact amount of each strain. That's included in the probiotic because a lot of times if a company is saying it's a proprietary um, formula and it just lists at the top and then you have all the bacteria that are in that proprietary formula, you don't know how much of each strain is actually in the bottle because they might be switching the formula depending on what's available. Right. So if they don't have as much of one strain, they might have to lower the quantity of that. But you want to know that they're putting in the formula the quantities of each bacteria and the strain that has been shown in scientific studies to be favorable. So really, in the end, you want to work with reputable companies that, you know, you you look that they've done their research and they're they're being very, you um, you know, just very uh, transparent with what, what they're putting in their probiotic. And it could be that it's a refrigerated probiotic versus non-refrigerated. Some of them come in blister packs where they're nitrogen sealed individually. And what that does is it protects the probiotic uh, pill capsule from oxygen. So it doesn't, uh, it doesn't deteriorate because every probiotic that's produced starts to deteriorate the minute it's encapsulated. So say you put 100 billion uh, colony-forming units, CFUs, which is the strength of the probiotic, in a capsule, that's what it is on the day of manufacturing. But as soon as it leaves the warehouse and now it's being stored and getting exposed to oxygen uh, and moisture, then it's going to start to deteriorate and there's a decay rate that happens. Over time, so what a lot of companies do, and what people might not realize, is that they they create their probiotic capsules with an overage, and what that means is that if the bottle says a hundred billion, they might actually be encapsulating a two hundred billion strength at the time of encapsulation, because it's going to weaken over time. But what they want to do, and some companies do this, is they test their probiotic up until the Expiration date, and the really reputable companies are are guaranteeing that if the bottle says 100 billion, it's going to be 100 billion on the expiration date. So they need to calculate the rate at which it deteriorates, and this is going to be different depending on how it's if it comes in blister packs, like I said, where each capsule is an individual blister sealed compartment, versus a uh, moisture absorbing bottle, uh, versus being refrigerated. I mean, if it's a, if those that require refrigeration, the refrigeration slows down that decay that happens. But not every probiotic has to be refrigerated. So I hope I didn't confuse everyone, but at least kind of give an explanation of something that is way more complex than what people realize when they think, oh, I'll just go and buy a probiotic. Like, well, there's a lot of considerations in terms of what is a good quality probiotic, including its shelf stability.
2: No, great, great guidelines.
0: Thank you. No, this is the part of the reason why we love interviewing you. Like your brain is like a, you have such a diversity of knowledge, and um, I think you can just—we mean that in a good way. Like in the sense that, and you having lived this, uh, are can, you calling
1: my are, are you calling my brain an octopus? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> no, sometimes, it reflects- sometimes I don't know which way I'm going. You know, you, you, you ask me one question and I just keep talking. <laughs> no.
0: Which is why it's so entertaining to uh, just watch how your brain works. And obviously, after, you know, decades of experience and personally have lived, uh, you know, obviously you have walked through this yourself. You can just tell it just comes straight across as someone that's walked it. you helped so many people. And it's just so cool that, you know, you're making your knowledge available to the world. And that's like, why we're...
1: It's- it's my passion. I mean, my, my mission is to help at least one million people with gut health and gut health-related issues heal their gut and and live life to its fullest, like, so that your health isn't what's your main focus, but your focus is, like, what do I want my life to be about? You know, how great would that be? Mm-hmm. And that that's... Part of my mission is to, to spread the word and to really get people to wake up that they have the power within themselves to heal their bodies. It's just, you, you just need to be shown the right path. That's it.
0: Well, I think it's going to be much more than a million people that you're helping, Dr. Vincent Pedre. <laughs> I'm,
1: being, I'm being conservative.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so make sure you get Dr. Vincent Pedre's book. We've left a link to that in the description below. Got. And it's uh, I, as an always a pleasure having you on our show. Thank you so much for being here, and I'm sure this. I love you
1: guys. <laughs> we love
0: you too. And um, how, what's another way they can follow you? Are you on social media or your website? What's the best? Way I've, can follow you? I've actually
1: I've become very active on on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, it's Dr. Vincent Pedre, and on Instagram, I'm at Dr. Pedre, um, and you'll find me doing uh, lives. Uh, if you miss my lives, you can always watch the videos, uh, find, look at my IGTV. So I'm starting to build a lot of content there and just trying to interact with people and, and learn more what they want to hear about and uh, bring uh, more of this information. You know, it's, it's funny because when you live with this, and, I've, and when I say that, like you live with all this knowledge just like kind of like <laughs> percolating in your brain – Um, You just start to – you become comfortable with it in a way that you think like, oh, this is just kind of like my normal. And then you start talking to people about what's inside your head and you realize, okay, everybody doesn't know this. (laughs) Like you need to get out there and talk about this, even the things that you think are so simple. Like today we talked about like what is leaky gut? You know, and to me, because I've been talking about leaky gut now for five years, five plus years, it's like second nature, but I know that there are still people out there who don't understand what it is, and to be able to explain it to them in a way that's accessible so they can understand something that's happening at such a microscopic level in their bodies, uh, you know, I'm just realizing how important it is to get this information out there.
2: Awesome. Well, we love you, Dr. Pedre. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom today. And for everyone watching, we've got the link to Dr. Pedre's book underneath, Happy Gut, and some other other goodies that he has. So, definitely give him a follow on his social media. I have noticed, Dr. Pedre, you've been much better at it lately. So, everyone jump on that bandwagon <laughs> while he's, Thank he's you. got that fire in his belly. Drop him like- a comment,
0: Time <laughs> like to keep going. One million's not Thank enough, you. guys. Ten million, a billion. Thank you. I need more. uh, I definitely need more followers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Give him some encouragement. Give him a follow. Give him a like um, to say thank you for sharing his wisdom today. So thank you, Dr. Pedro. We love you and stay safe in New York.